0: That's why inequalities are wrong, but they are um, inevitable. And the way in which fashion works, I I still believe in the idea proposed by Zimmel and Veblen in the late 19th century.
1: Going inside of people's head, asking them what sort of the most selfish, disgusting aspiration you have and when politicizing it and selling it back to people.
0: I mean, do you really believe that capitalism its becoming a moral guide? Is it not that capitalism is doing today what it has always done at best, which is adapting to the new situation, to the new society, to the evolutions of society to sell more? Fact, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll make my lips even bigger. I'll, I'll complete what fillers fail to do. So.
1: Exactly, wow! Well, you wouldn't need digital. You wouldn't need digital uh, fashion for that, right? It's no, all no, real.
0: No, 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 I don't want digital plastic surgery. Give me a surgeon and, and, and a big knife.
1: Charlotte approaches his mom. Shepson has zero emotion. She's probably sick and tired of this life. And actually, I think in all of us. What kind of wish would could do this child? And just go and havoc the everything, dress however the fuck we want.
0: Bothered me is that this sort of woke. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I said the, the forbidden word. The sort of, <laughs> of woke uh, propaganda of the uh, of the marketing campaign.
1: Today we will be talking about Gucci latest collection.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very current and contemporary.
1: I uh, will segue a little bit into digital fashion and yes. what it means for yes, us of course. and everyone. And when we will look at Russia's drug ratio, yeah. which recently came out, we'll also talk about the newest, latest uh, ad for their new insurance.
0: For John Lewis. Yes, I don't know if we can say John Lewis, I don't know if we can say John Lewis, but uh, we will. We can Uh, say insurance ad, how about Insurance ad about a very famous department store in Britain. Uh, Also, this I think will be a good opportunity to talk about something uh, very, very contemporary and very also contradictory, which is the way in which big brands are uh, communicating. So marketing and the failures of uh, contemporary marketing
1: the failure of contemporary life yeah huh? and life <laughs> yes
0: yes 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 what
1: do you think about gucci
0: show so gucci show is uh, this uh this is what i think now the first thing that i noticed was michaelic halkin <laughs> with a double chin walking down the runway, wearing this amazing Gucci is outfit. Is he getting fat, are you saying? No, just double chin. Oh, he's okay. l- just old, basically. Yeah, uh, And this little double chin. And walking down the cartwalk. And don't get me wrong, I love Macaulay Kalkin. I grew up watching Macaulay Kalkin. He's iconic. I mean, he's every iconic.
1: Christmas we can escape him. He is iconic. Totally yeah. iconic.
0: But besides, precisely because he's so iconic from the 90s, he was walking down the cartwalk. And I could see this faded star walking on the Hollywood stars wearing Gucci. And there I saw a metaphor of Gucci itself, a faded star walking down the path uh, encrusted with stars. Because this, uh, this show, everybody talked about this show, but everybody talked about this show for the wrong reasons. Actually, nobody was talking about the clothes. Uh, everybody was talking about the fact that uh, during a pandemic, when you list, when you would least expect it, they decide to have a show outside of the uh, of the fashion week, in the other side of the world. So not in Milan, but in America, with all this this conspicuous consumption uh, of private jets and and probably the same people who complain about the climate crisis and the leaders flying to Glasgow in private jets. But let's forget about this. So. You see all this uh, crowd there and everybody talking about the stars wearing Gucci and the, and the catwalk show on Hollywood Boulevard, I think it was. And, and the clothes, what about the clothes, which is what fashion should be about. The clothes are just the same collection, the same collection for six years, for five years. He always made the same collection again and again. And the only way he has to make people up talking about his collections Given that the collection never changes, is to uh, do explosive shows. So people are actually talking about the shows where they should be talking about the collection. Okay, so uh, instead of talking about the cat, the I don't know, innovative designs, uh, newness. What fashion should be about? Newness. That's what. That's the one thing that sets fashion apart from costume and dress. It's <laughs> newness, and and they are. Talking about the show and the fact that it was in Los Angeles with all these old stars and with I don't know all this uh, conspicuous uh, show and to be frank the show was not even ugly because the clothes some of the clothes were beautiful but it was nothing new and the element that makes fashion uh, a unique world was missing there for me.
1: Well, we're probably in times where our attention span is so short, so whatever was shown last season we have already forgotten yeah and anything is new essentially everything is an endless spectacle of repetition of something which happened before that's why we constantly live in this nostalgia of reviving the past you know all this old hollywood like no one is watching movies these days everyone is watching TV series on netflix but we're still going into Hollywood to revive this nostalgic utopia, which never was like what Hollywood was about. It was exploitation of all these actors and the whole industry was incredibly, you know, it was presented to us in very glamorous way. But if you start uh, looking a little bit more into what Hollywood is about, it's incredibly tough and brutal industry. And when we have this again, idea of glamour actors and what we represent, and clothes, yeah, you're right, they kind of don't matter anymore, but let's not forget, all fashion brands, where key sales, luxury, is not actual clothing, very little segment of consumers can afford clothes it's going to be bags with t-shirts which absolutely have on. so who cares uh, about absolutely the well
0: uh, well it depends where you are coming from i guess uh, here i'm not taking i i mean i i study fashion in my life as you do so i'm not taking the uh, view of the common person in the street i'm trying to look at it from the point of view of uh, sort of the contribution to the world of fashion and i absolutely agree with you we live in this sort of a constant nostalgia for the past but nostalgia is a stop to innovation okay gucci to me is creativity without innovation where creativity is what kills innovation Okay, because creativity is something that looks new without necessarily being new, but there has there hasn't been a single new idea in terms of innovation coming. From Gucci, not a new structure, nothing. The only reasons why we t- the only thi- where um, part where they really innovate is communication. And the only reasons why we have been talking about Gucci in the latest years were, in turn, the Gucci Fest, this horrible fest with these horrible fashion movies. I think from a cinematic point of view, not from a fashion point of view. Uh, and then we talked about uh, about Gucci because it was essentially legally copying Balenciaga's collections. And here, uh, because it went to Los Angeles to, for, for this grand uh, show, uh, f- where he very carefully targeted all uh, the themes that are dear to the heart of liberal uh, Z generation um, customers. So, what I'm complaining about is that, yes, there is a lot of talk around Gucci, but there is no contribution to innovating uh, garments. And what makes fashion, fashion is the fact, as I was saying, newness, yes, but also the fact that fashion teaches us how to dance, how to move, how to fall in love. We, we, there is a certain amount of comfort in clothes or discomfort. And these things have, we seduce people differently if we, if we are wearing Miucha Prada or Reika Wakubo. You know what I mean? I don't see any progression in this discourse with Gucci. And that's, that really breaks my heart because I see a huge brand with a huge potential and also a very good designer because Alessandro Michele is a good designer. Uh, repeating the same old story because it's safer to go where you know the money, the money is um, easy, easily made rather than trying and risking. Failure and risk are part of success. And they only go for what is safe. And this, to me, betrays the very spirit of of the fashion that I like.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, probably during the pandemic and all the mess happening around the world, Uh by just going for the safe butt like you said. But uh, speaking of future fashion, do you think there is much value in digital? Oh my gosh. With, you know, uh, everyone is talking with taste, all the reports, everywhere, metaverse. Facebook yeah. is now uh, a matter uh, so and and consumers like there uh, are a lot of reports and consumers will pay a lot of money for digital clothing and they will have you know via digital houses digital art exhibitions we'll buy digital pets Digital holidays, imaginary holidays—like so, we can't really travel.
0: Might yeah. as well just imagine. So, in a way, um, some some parts of um, of the of life of fashion can be digitalized, and we have seen this because we come from a uh, from a uh, culture of um, listening to music in, in, in CD rooms. And, and the, um, what's the name? The, um, the recording tapes, Uh, tapes, tapes. Yeah. yeah. Tapes. Tapes. And then we have, I mean, if, if somebody told me when I was a child in the nineties, if, Somebody told me, you will get to a point in which you will not need any device, but you will just, I mean, any any hardware for music, but we'll just uh, listen to virtual pixels of music without having to buy an actual hardware. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have believed it. And that happened. So there is a possibility for certain parts of our lives to become digital. But music is waves. Clothes is a different story. Because it's a marketing strategy and marketing is not for selling pixels at 18 pounds. It's for selling, you know. The the other thing that um, that strikes me uh, as weird is that uh, we are reducing fashion to the look of fashion and uh if we look for i give you an example Gianfranco Ferré one of the greatest designers one of the greatest Italian designers of the 70s he also in the 80s and f- and early 90s before Galliano designed Dior great designer he was called the architect of cl- the architect of clothes now Gianfranco Ferré always conceived uh, his shirts as beautiful structures that uh, had a very specific way of being worn and had a very specific impact on the wearer Okay. Mm-hmm. The beauty of these clothes was never the point. The beauty was always a side effect of the construction. So we are losing this. We are reducing fashion to the looks and not fashion to uh, everything that surrounds the looks. And, and this is possible in digital fashion because you don't have the, to wear them on your body, but it's removing a big chunk of know-how from fashion. And I was looking at an interview. That actually that you sent me about the girl who was talking about how she created this first digital only digital fashion brand and she said yeah I'm trained as a traditional designer and I was like where is the point of learning about textiles and 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 sewing techniques if you um, if you if you only create looks that are bi-dimensional and to be to be seen online where's the point in this where's the point in learning the traditional way and then she said eh, and then it's amazing i had a show and in my show i didn't have models i didn't have production costs i didn't waste material it's amazing and i was like no it's not amazing because those are no clothes those are images it's not amazing, you, you, you are not creating a fashion show without, uh, without waste, you, you are creating a, a non-fashion show because there is no clothes to sell.
1: But this is this is very fascinating point, Ruby. I think exactly we evolved to the stage of our culture today, which we no longer manufacture products or things. We manufacture ideas and images i think this is the biggest sort of a cultural product today it's almost like uh, who cares about the substance as long as surface looks exciting and this is a huge influence of social media we all know whatever is presented to us on social media is not real or even if yeah. it has reality is the best possible controlled version of anyone available it's, it's it's not there's nothing genuine about it and therefore digital clothing is a perfect example as an outcome of this culture and it's you know it's super questionable because everyone is using filters that's another thing i think digital clothing is some sort of extension to the fact that all images online were edited. Like any big celebrity or influencer, I expect most probably we will be using some face filter when we do their live stories or posts, and therefore it sort of it's not a real experience, but also this interview this girl, she was wearing real clothes the only digital thing she had were earrings so it's yeah. also highlights yeah, exactly. it's exactly. almost like yes. a little accessory or something extra like you can add sparkles to your outfit that's, that's what
0: I was saying you will only uh, create a sort of big uh, harbinger your digital fashion will be the harbinger of real clothes so it will make real clothes even more desirable you will sell more clothes and, uh, and, and that's it and it will be a, an amazing glorious marketing campaign my point remains I am all about people creating digital fashion as you were saying for all the reasons that you were that you're talking about performance video games everything just don't sell it to me as a viable solution for reducing waste just this is just not uh, the uh, the, uh, just don't sell me as something that this is not don't have an easy solution to a complex problem because that just doesn't work yeah it's the same otherwise otherwise uh, your country would still have an amazing utopia uh, in action if easy solutions to complex problems were well, possible.
1: My country is now United Kingdom. The country your country, we, your country you are the, English. The country which but produces heritage. Not, yes, we don't produce yes, anything yes, yes, but heritage. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I would also add to this point... Uh, What gets me about digital fashion narrative is what it's often presented as some sort of equalizer which will uh, stop for discrepancies between luxury and high street and everyone can afford it. But um, the thing is people who probably struggle the most in a society. And this is this is very logical outcome. If we even we can even apply like massive hierarchy pyramid, if people really going for hardship, we will be sorting out their basic needs first. We will not be thinking about mm, what course. sort of digital outfit we are going to post in their social media. So what we'll sort of equalizer? It that? it's it's not offering anyone warm or real body cover, which is actual problem for people who are struggling so it's incredibly hypocritical and very but at the same time I'm not denying it can be beautiful it could be spectacular and very exciting but I really struggle to imagine how it can become actual replacement for the fashion clothing I think it's more of a sort of entertainment a new hobby for cryptocurrencies millionaires or Uh, rich kids who want to, uh, you know, have fun and maybe add some sort of a visual identity to their video game characters in this metaverse or wherever it takes us. I think it could be just another level of uh, status or way of investing. You know, like digital art It's the same thing. It's, It's actually like there's nothing innovative or artistic about digital art, but it's a great way to... Uh, sort of self-identify as someone who has access and you have this unique code which belongs to you so i think it will all turn into
0: signifiers yeah exactly exactly yeah uh, we are already signifiers that postmodernity is that is not uh, based on the idea of a copy is based on the idea of simulacrum mm-hmm. where simulacrum is nothing but our listeners will know this but <laughs> simulacrum is nothing but the copy of a copy of a copy without an original and that's what we are becoming i get that this uh, radicalization of simulacrum and i do agree with you it's uh, very much it it can be a very interesting experiment when it comes to creating spectacular dresses and gowns because imagine the potential of creating gowns uh, that defy gravity you can do that uh, with digital clothes, but you can't do that with uh, with uh, analogic, let's say, clothes. Now the problem is, I have a problem with uh, with the concept of uh, democratic fashion and uh, also accessible luxury, because it's contrary to human nature uh, from an evolutionary standpoint. Okay, um, that's why inequalities are wrong, but they are. Um, inevitable. And the way in which fashion works, I I still believe in the idea proposed by Zimmer and Veblen in the late 19th century. Fashion follows a contradictory movement, which is, on the one hand, it aims to embrace the entire society. On the other hand, one minute before reaching Enti- embracing the entirety of society, the upper classes who originated fashion move to a new fashion and the cycle begins once again. Because fashion is not about inclusivity. I'm sorry to uh, to disattend the hopes of many people. Inclusivity, yes, in an horizontal way. You can include different sexualities and different races. But in a ver- from a vertical standpoint, from the standpoint of income, Fashion can never be inclusive. It's about exclusivity. It's about possessing what the few possess. Every social class desires what the social class right above possesses. And once the social class below obtains what the social clav- class above has already achieved, the social class above moves towards a new trend. And I'm sad to say, I am very conservative when it comes to the evolution of trends, but I do believe that this, uh, that was theorized more than 100 years ago, it's still valid, and this is what I see around me still.
1: Well, luckily, if you're one of those lucky people who managed to acquire real house, not the oh digital gosh. one, where there's always an insurance you can get for any sort of accidental cover or any damage, <laughs> which uh, was recently brilliantly advertised to all the British consumers here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, The ad was amazing. So let's describe it for our viewers and listeners. Considering it was
1: banned as well, so probably... No, hold they've... on.
0: Let's go in order. So the ad was... <laughs> Uh, a very uh, famous, um, a very famous British um, English um, department stores advertising uh, a service which was home insurance for real houses, not digital ones. That's important. And in the ad, there was a boy uh, with uh, clearly gender fluid, dressed as a girl, um, walking around the house and destroying everything. And then at some point, the boy meets the gaze of his sister and that's the most amazing piece because the sister of this boy is a very serious well-behaved girl uh, doing her homework and she looks at him like you're crazy and he carries on destroying things and after the house is basically uh, in pieces in racks uh, the ad says uh, buy the home insurance and blah 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 so that's it
1: yeah, um, I think, well, essentially, I thought the ad was brilliant, because uh, what that child symbolized to me is probably the embodiment of... I, I actually didn't think it was anything about gender, or even, like, uh, I didn't even see a hint there. I think, look, uh, gender, it's very much Uh, societal construct in terms of what men should be like this and women should be like this like why 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 we sometimes just not think what anyone can dress however we want i think we often like you know when when someone decides we're gonna have a child often it's oh what is the gender will be so we will decide the present based on that so we often uh think what was the right way for female or male to dress, to behave. But what I thought was a big sort of uh, symbolism is probably always oppressed individuals who managed to get a mortgage, buy a house, <laughs> and essentially we all are sick and tired. Because when the child approaches his mom, Shepsut has zero emotions. She's probably sick and tired of this life. And actually I think in all of us, we kind of wish we could be this child and just go and have
0: everything dressed however the fuck we want. Oh, that's a very fascinating uh, perspective. Uh, what I thought actually is, you are saying gender is uh, culturally constructed. Well... We don't know this for certain. There is there is, con- there is contrasting. Yeah. No, I'm yeah, not yeah. saying it's not. I'm saying that partly it sh- certainly is. But we don't know this for certain. I have seen uh, different studies that claim also the opposite for evolutionary reasons. But regardless of this, yeah. let's say, yeah. let's buy for a fact that gender is socially constructed and that our gender differences are due to, co- to socialization as opposed to uh, yeah. all sorts Just of other clarify, reasons.
1: Just to clarify, I mean... Sex is a given, I mean, gender more in terms of like how we yeah, yeah, dress yeah. and what. Yeah, they want yeah, yeah. Okay, how portray. we
0: dress, no, but that's the, the whole point. The boy was dressed like a girl, but his behavior was extremely masculine because he was destroying the house and the girl who his sister was very serious and studious and obedient so what i'm saying is on the surface the ad was challenging gender stereotypes but in truth it was re um, sort of solidifying the old uh, the old uh, binarism that boys will be boys boys will destroy the house and girls will watch silently studying. So the point for me is not whether their idea of gender is uh, is acceptable or not. The point for me is that they were not even able to uh, establish a principle and to abide by it.
1: Well, we almost like, now you say it this way, it always makes me think of this Hogarth paintings at National Gallery, you know, Mariash Alamotte. Mm-hmm. Where you have, I think there's a scene where, like, um, a husband comes home after partying and and a woman sits and watches him. I think there was an exhibition by Paula Raga, Tate Britain, quite recently, and she also did some sort of this scene where it says, like, uh, the husband uh, went around doing all stupid things and now he came back broke and confused and a woman has to sort him out. So maybe there is a little bit of this. Uh, but um, essentially my understanding where ad was taken down in the end, because it was misleading, uh, what it yeah. would ensure. Yeah. People. So basically,
0: what happened is that the um, the and this is what really bothered me is that this sort of woke. Um, uh, oh my gosh! I said the, the forbidden word. The sort of <laughs> of woke uh, propaganda of the uh, of the marketing campaign uh, makes it a failed marketing because by trying to lecture their own clients about about what, how you should live your gender and your life which is not what, uh, to be fair, what I company should do. They should not lecture people on how to think politically and how to think philosophically. It should just sell a product at best. So while thinking about how to best lecture uh, their uh, their client, they forgot the main point, which was the product that they were selling. And they had to, as you were saying, to withdraw the ad, because they realized all of a sudden that they were launching the wrong message. And the, message, the wrong message was not that the gender of the boy the wrong message is that if your child destroy your house, that is not going to be covered by the insurance, so they, they misled by this uh, this idea of feeling um, of feeling contemporary and woke at all costs, they forgot the real the real essence of it, which is the fact that they had a product to sell, and the company had to call all the clients who bought the uh, insurance within the time um, in the time in which the uh, commercials wa- was aired, to make sure that they that they understood that the company was not covering for children destroying the house. Did you know that? I no, didn't know this we is, had to go. Um, I I, I, find I, I find this out. I found this out. I read it in The Guardian. So, um and I, I was like, wow, how is that possible? I mean, that's really stupid because, I mean, I worked in production. You you worked in production. We know that a commercial doesn't air unless a lot of people watch it and approve it.
1: Yeah. So how is that I possible? I think it's also hilarious. We had to call customers. I bet some of the customers who had never thought about it, who bought this insurance, or probably even haven't seen the ad. We just bought it yeah it's uh, it's hilarious. but you know i still I still would kind of press the point. Children often put on random clothes, they put on random makeup or face paint. and I don't think we necessary think about I think it's a more adult thing. Mm-hmm. I think when uh, adults were dressing up this boy, because I imagine obviously it was done by adults with whole production, they probably had this narrative. But if a child would do it, he probably would have no idea. He would be just enjoying himself.
0: Okay, I'm gonna quote Ju- um, Judith Butler now. Oh. Judith Butler, yeah, who I uh, grew up reading when I was at university. I read a lot of Judith Butler, and then I realized that I was um, that I didn't entirely agree with with her points, even though I, for a substantial part of my life, I was completely absorbed by by her philosophy. Also, because it's so difficult that when you grasp something, you feel very empowered. Oh my gosh, I understood Judith Butler. Uh, anyhow, uh, in one of her books, she analyzes the way in which psychologists um, classify uh, gender dysphoria, which is the uh, contradiction between the sex that you were that you were born with and the way in which you identify. That's gender dysphoria, which creates a significant amount of discomfort. And one thing she says is very interesting. She says uh, the um, in order to classify, in order to um, uh, the psychologists, in order to verify whether you are gender dysphoric, which is the first step for changing sex, or at least it used to be, they have to ask you questions about your childhood. And they would look for specific answers. Like, for instance, did you dress up as, as a boy or a girl, of, uh, as a person of the opposite sex as a child? And then Judy Butler says, but isn't this just acting? Is this, is this something that has to do with identity? Isn't this just what children do uh, when they act, when they perform, when they pretend to be an animal or, or a hero? Isn't it just that? It does, does it have to be something that has to do with your identity? However, we reached a point in which uh, trying to follow Judith Butler, people have sort of turned the tables. And today, everything you wear makes your identity.
1: But that's the thing. I so your
0: point uh, of freedom is lost. If a boy dresses like a girl, they start changing pronouns uh, pronounce, and not allow the space of freedom that is very precious. I think, and and, and I, I, I think you agree with me. It's very precious for children to play with gender.
1: Yeah, I think it's precious. But he's becoming to an do. identity. Yeah, but I I, thi- I think uh, that, that's a very interesting element of our culture. And to be fair, this is a big reason why I. Wanted to do this podcast is to speak. Why? Why our society is so polarized? Why we have to label everything? Why we have mm. to put everything into the sort of an order? You know, it's almost like this uh uh Foucault theory, where he sees our society being mediated by power constantly. Yeah. Like yeah. everything has to be categorized, yeah. and it makes it very easy. Like if it's uncategorized. It scares us, or we don't know what to yeah. do. It as long as we can label it and decide if it's good or bad. It gives everyone this fake sense of security or stability or control, or like we observe and we know what is the right way to go about uh, anything you do in this life. And I think this is probably a huge challenge, because. It scares many individuals to step out of these labels or it also creates this sort of alienation which you want to substitute with belonging to some group or identity. And I feel it it has a potential to limit our experience as humans because we're constantly trapped into this game. Of belonging or identifying with something when we just can be open to different experience like that child.
0: Yeah, yeah and also that I completely wholeheartedly, uh, how's the word? whole? Heartedly agree with you about the problem of uh, this this sort of uh, bad evolution of the Foucauldian principle of power structures that everything is normative and everything is the uh, the um, is essentially a power game. Um, yeah, that's very limiting. I do agree. Anyhow, going back to our ad, my problem is not even their philosophy. Once again, also because in all o- honestly i don't think they have a specific philosophy about how children should live their gender they are trying to ride the zeitgeist and they are failing at it because it backfired because they had to remove the art okay because they were criticized by the left because they were after all they were uh, proposing normative gender stereotypes uh, despite they try to avoid it and they were critifi- criticized by the right for doing the opposite so they made nobody happy and they disenfranchised their customers. And to me, the problem is that marketing, big companies, big corporations, the cathedrals of uh, of um, capitalism today are lecturing and becoming even moral guides to people. I mean, do you really believe that capitalism is becoming a moral guide? Is it not that capitalism is doing today what it has always done at best, which is... Adapting to the new situation, to the new society, to the evolutions of society to sell more. And there is a precedent. I don't know if you know about Gillette. Do you know about the Gillette failure?
1: Um, is it something to do with uh, advertising for women? and?
0: Yeah. yeah. So basically, Gillette had, after the Me Too, they realized that they had a problem. Massive problem. Their customers were predominantly males. So how do you address your male client um, in a moment in which masculinity itself is seen as a sin? Okay, you have to. You are born with a sort of original sin if you're a male according to uh, some uh, progressive uh, intellectuals and you have to sort of wash your masculinity off because it is intrinsically bad not because you do something, just because you're born a male, and they thought okay, let's address this in a commercial, and they did a, sort of a mm, commercial, I think, in support of Me Too, where they uh, advertised against the um, the Uh, What they call the toxic masculinity, and that was one. And then they did another one, in order to advertise their best-selling product, which is the uh, razor for men. The um, the what's this called? Yeah, the razor blades for for men. uh, They chose as a testimonial a transgender boy, who was born a female and became a a boy. And the father of this transgender boy is a very emotional story because there is this transgender boy shaving his fist, his first beer, beard and the father helps him out and teaches him how to remove the beard. And that's a perfect subject for a short movie. The problem is that they wanted to sell through that now you can do this with fashion okay you can use gender fluid models with fashion you can use uh, whatever you want with fashion because your client wants that wants to see that what about when you are a massive company selling cheap products to the majority of society, and you are telling the majority of society that their system of values is ultimately wrong, you are just disenfranchising your customers. Bottom line, they sold a lot of money. They, they lost a lot of money. Okay? They said that the losses, eight billions, I think, was not due to uh, the, uh, to the um, commercials. But I think it does show even though maybe not all the losses were due to the commercials but it does show that there is a sort of a a divorce between these brands and their clients because they forgot that they have to sell a product and they are trying to lecture their clients on how to vote, how to think, how to see the world. And you don't want to be you don't want to be doing that. You really don't want to be doing that. Uh, if you are a marketer, okay. If you're a politician, okay. If you're an activist, okay. But capitalism unless they want to lose money they're trying to capitalize on it without realizing that they are only looking at a tiny minority which is to me is very similar to brexit okay nobody saw it coming because everybody was uh, focusing on liberal uh, people who live in london and they didn't think that maybe the majority of the country outside of London would have a different opinion. And the same thing with Donald Trump. Nobody saw it coming because people were focusing on the East Coast and the West Coast. And nobody was looking at the big chunk in the middle of the United States. So to me, they're committing the same mistake. They are not looking at their client. They're looking at a tiny minority of elite, of intellectual elites that they mistake for their clients. But they're not the ones bringing the money to the company. Was I too harsh?
1: No, I think, you know, it's no, it's super fascinating. Like, you're taking it to so many different directions. I was just thinking about politics and Brexit and Donald Trump. And probably, you know, it all kind of starts back with, I think, like 80s politics. When, you know, we started doing these focus groups and opinion polls. And yeah. what we were telling people not political agenda anymore we no. were looking at their deep desires and benefit yeah. to, what, which would benefit them and i think this is like a whole idea of donald trump it's not about uh, you know our community or what mm. we can do better for society it was all about like you know what like we're gonna get our life back on track we're gonna make it all good again and it's the same with brexit the reason why it worked so well it sold the idea to the general yeah. public what you know what, European Union who needs this community, who needs to be together we don't need with immigrants anymore we're going to have great life ourselves, we're going to this way because it benefits us as individual. Yeah, we we'll in control. Yeah, yeah it's, it's this manipulation of, you know, it's almost like Freudian, not directly, but it's sort of like going inside of people's head, asking them, what sort of the most selfish, disgusting aspiration you have and then politicizing it and selling it back to people. And I think uh, this is what we often observe. But when you are right, I think when brands are trying to teach people a lesson, it doesn't work. Because if you want people to give you money, you need in a subversive way uh, sell them back what they desire the
0: most. Yeah, and I think there is a massive problem in our society now that we were talking about uh, also Trump. But it also applies to these commercials. Um, and the problem being that we live in... Um, in uh, uh, and all, all social groups live in different epistemological realities. We are reached by different informations. Also, the algorithm in social media makes this possible. Yeah. So we are reached by different information, unless one goes looking for specific information is not reached by them. Everybody thinks to that they have the key to understanding the world, and they all seem to be living in different worlds. Um, and this cannot be a way in which society can function. Okay, because we're living side by side and yet in different worlds.
1: We live in the metaverse, stupid. In the
0: metaverse, yes, and in the <laughs> multiverse as well, exactly. Uh, but this is, this is a, I think, a, a losing game. A losing game because togetherness should be the point. And the first thing to do should be to acknowledge when you lose and also acknowledge when you win, and the other part should do the same. So this was, I think, the problem, for instance, with Trump, that initially his, uh, his massive win was not acknowledged. It was not massive numerically, but it was massive because nobody saw it coming. Um, nobody in the other side, none of the de- Democrats really acknowledged Trump as a president. So a, an American tradition was broken, uh, which was that once one president wins the election, he is president to everyone. So Trump became only president to, to uh, half of Americans. Uh, and then, unsurprisingly, when the opposite happened, uh, they were paid back with the same coin because when Joe Biden won, the other side was not ready to acknowledge the win this is because we perceive the world in such a different uh, way epistemologically that it may that it, it is problematic and that's what happening with Gillette and John Lewis as well, because they are living in the epistemological reality of a minority of liberal people with liberal values. But then they don't realize that the majority of people who buy them, the big silent or sometimes not silent crowd, is uh, perceive the world in a different way. And they don't want to be told there are 68 different genders, which by the way is what most people are saying. They want to think that there are two genders and then you can change in some cases and and change your sex. And that's, that's, uh, you see, I don't know, It's, um, and I'm not saying I agree with the Conservatives, I'm not saying that, I'm saying that you have as a brand to acknowledge that the majority of people who vote for you, uh, who sorry, who vote, yes, who buy your products, probably have a different set of priorities, a different set of ideas, and you should respect them, because otherwise you lose money. So mine is not a political point, mine is a marketing point.
1: Yeah, well, speaking of marketing and contemporary crowds uh let's talk about a new drug ratio in russia and uh w- what it means for vast and how it stands in okay. russia i need to put some vaseline. Okay, uh, no no roll it no no it's perfect
0: <laughs> I, i'll i'll make my lips even <laughs> bigger I'll, I'll complete what fillers fail to do. So. Exactly. Well, you wouldn't
1: need digital. You wouldn't need digital uh, fashion for that, right?
0: It's so no, no, real. No, 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 no. I don't want digital plastic surgery. Give me a surgeon mm-hmm. and, and a big knife.
1: Okay. Well, um, see, so this is something in in future plan. Yeah, but basically, where's uh, this sort of a Russian spin-off? It's obviously a separate enterprise yeah. to RuPaul's rock race. Yeah, yeah. But there's this Russian celebrity who is incredibly s- successful, straight uh, Russian woman who came from this sort of uh, uh, very Cinderella-like story where she Became came from a very poor family, she had nothing, and now she's a huge celebrity, she's done it all herself through with social media, uh, entertainment videos, when she worked on the TV doing travel shows, and she accumulated a significant amount of money. And my understanding, she started this whole Russian uh, show called Royal Cobras uh, from her own uh, pocket. And it is so she financed the show herself. She wow! He, he, he said, I think well, I mean probably just a little comment on Russian entertainment industry. Um, I understand a lot of uh, entertainers and uh, let's say who are not working on a TV as uh, this is where a lot of money, which are funded by government or big entertainers. Uh, enterprises they actually all fi- finance all their youtube channels all these entertainment programs themselves mm-hmm. and when we get money from advertising all, all like actually i think it's super specific especially in russia i mean we do it in vast, but you know for example here when you often watch maybe youtube video you will have um Advertisement, yeah, or even in a podcast, and it, most of the time it's recorded by someone else. It's not necessarily, yeah, of often. course, yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, in Russia, there's a huge trend. All advertising is integrated with as part of a program. So right. the way we advertise, let's say you have a YouTube video, suddenly we do a different video, but we literally advertising as the product. Just in a way, like it would be part of a program. Yeah, it's Just a
0: product placement strategy. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's not even product placement. It's like advertising um, bit, but it's strategically filmed and it has a narrative. Oh, it's like a I little see. movie okay. within yeah, yeah, yeah. a movie. Yeah,
0: we had that in Italy in the sixties. There was a similar thing. Carosello was called. Mm, yeah, 60s and seventies. So, yeah, well, it, yeah. And with a storyline, almost almost like a short movie with a storyline of its own. Yeah.
1: And this is how they advertise everything these days in Russian entertainment. So, but they finance uh, like incredible amount of money. Like she puts like millions of Russian rubles into this production, and when uh, essentially it's super performative, and it's been criticized here by the media saying that it's not supporting uh, gay rights. Well, uh, first of all, I think it's a perfect mm, sort of. Uh, uh, conversation about does like you said does the media need to support is it just a pure entertainment yeah, it, it, they said
0: they are using drug race but erasing the gaze from it um, and that is uh, that links back to I think to what we were saying before, uh, that is that the clothes uh, are coi- today coincide mm-hmm. with identity, even when you're a child or in an adult. If mm-hmm. you if you want to wear in a specific way, there must be some identity in it. And so I think in the West, even at the all uh, drag uh, experience. I'm a big fan of RuPaul and a big fan of uh, drag race as well. Uh, but the one thing that I noticed that is that uh, they are almost turning being drag. In into an identity of its own, almost as if you cannot be dragged without that saying something extra about your identity. And there is a lot of pressure on identity. And that is because in America, this means something because in America, people want to fall in love with the uh, emotions and with the authenticity. And if uh, what a better way of portraying authenticity than pretending that your job equals your identity. Uh, so I think that's a little bit of a sort of game of uh, television with it. But as you were saying, why does a TV show have to uh, have necessarily a political message, especially in a country like Russia, where since two thousand and thirteen, I think it's it's impossible to uh, to do gay propaganda. What should this girl do?
1: Yeah, but this is this is I think another level to this conversation um essentially let's look at the drug culture from a side like as an observer it is extreme version of femininity all their idols all women they portray they are not contemporary um women activists right yeah they are not politicians yeah they portray women from bygone eras very nostalgic very sexualized incredibly performative dramatic we we almost have this women who are a little bit uh out of control of their femininity they portray probably exactly okay i'm gonna take it back to foucault you know this hysterical female we almost present that and this yes. is what patriarchal society likes we like to put her back into her place and tell her how to be. So therefore, this is just subversive way of reestablishing Russian societal structure and supporting it politics in a way. I think we often uh, link, like you say, specific uh, visual culture to identity, when here it can just take pure form of entertainment And essentially, it turns out to be, I think, very suitable narrative in what contemporary Russia is. You always have the more totalitarian, the more oppressive society is, the ruling um, government is. the most subversive and banal way of transgressing it, Vera, and it's almost like a subtle ironic comment on it, which probably goes missing because it seems to be so in line with what most of men and probably women see as a standard
0: yeah exactly plus i think it's very weird that um the activists i read a couple of articles and they were criticizing the show so much um and I find it weird how people are unable to separate the two things, the show from the gay rights, okay? The battle for gay rights in Russia is very important. It should be fought very harshly, okay? Because the situation, I think, of banning the gay propaganda is a very bad form of oppression and I, nobody with a brain would probably dispute oh, that. I'm
1: just gonna say you know we also banned rainbows everywhere. I know. I know, them, like I know. Some like ice cream brands which had like rainbow and we like uh, you're not allowed to sell it anymore. And one uh, I think it was like um nursery and we had curtains with rainbows and someone called the police to go and take oh it down gosh. it's just like oh it's just gosh,
0: ridiculous. That's, that's <laughs> truly ridiculous <laughs> and ludicrous and, and we should fight that. But that I think has nothing to do directly with the T V show. And what did People expect the TV show to be coming from capitalistic America. After all, Western TV shows did not do drug race until it became something completely normal and accepted by society. What did you expect this girl to do? Not to go with Russian society. It's... So what I'm saying is there are two different battles. You just accept the fact that they're doing drug race. You cannot bring politics into it and complain because they're not doing it in the way in which we do it in England or in, or in uh, America or in Canada or even in Italy because now there is drug race Italy as well. You cannot complain because they're doing it differently because the system of laws is completely different. Society and is also different. Different consumer. Different. But to be honest, I think we're exactly. doing a great job. Like
1: and considering everything. Yeah, and considering agree. I think it's also a perfect again comment on you know what, it's not allowed but. And this is exactly. probably the perfect embodiment exactly. of the television yes, needs. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Yes, that's the it's not allowed, but that, that's exactly how we should view it. Because if you just want to change society through a TV show, mm, is you, you can I mean, they would put you in jail. <laughs> they would put the poor rich girl in jail. It's, it's a loss that she's already doing it, that she's able to do what she's doing. So, um, yeah, let's, I would say, separate the battles and not uh, pretend that she does or she can't do. Also, probably in in Russia, even politicians wouldn't embrace certain battles because they wouldn't encounter the uh, sentiment of the majority. Actually, I was looking at a um, Russian politician who is in the opposition, and he was saying that for him, it was very difficult to embrace things like uh, gay rights, even though he was against Putin, because he said, I need to convince the majority about the fact that another way is possible. And if I want to convince the majority, I cannot start from gay rights because the majority does not agree with gay rights. So the moment in which I say gay rights, it's certain that nobody's gonna listen to me. So that's a process that you get to little by little, okay? Either with international, uh, with international pressure on the government or with, through um, being very patient and waiting society to little by little change its view naturally because revolution, and Russia is a proof of it, does not work. But evolution does work. And evolution is not destroying the previous system and bringing a new one. Evolution is making little changes, piling up little changes until we get to a better society.